Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. We are working on a new book for April called Breaking the Ten Commandments. Like, what other church could you come to where every Sunday we'll pick a... No, I'm kidding. (laughs) It's uh, by Eric Butterworth, kind of a famous unity minister. And his thesis, I think, is uh, an interesting and a good one. And that is, uh, for the times they were written, perhaps the Ten Commandments were useful in their literal sense, but oh my gosh, a few thousand years later, they may still still have something to say to us. And and so I'll, I'll read you just a little bit of the promise here. He says, the Ten Commandments are usually considered to be the basis for morality. However, as we know, morality deals not with spiritual law, but with accepted rightness in the world. Beyond morality, however, is a whole new dimension of metamorality. It is the deeper meaning of that lie in the Ten Commandments. So the goal of this book is not to herald the Ten Commandments in their literal or crystallized form, but rather to break them down, one by one, to their underlying esoteric meaning. And I am confident that you will discover some understandable and practical spiritual fundamentals that will open new vistas of growth and unfoldment to you. What you may not realize is I snuck three of them in last Sunday on Easter. And so, uh, you know, I'm not known for my subtlety. And so in case you missed it, (laughs) uh, I want to cover the first three that we covered last Sunday real briefly. So uh, they are, you shall have no other God before me. You shall not worship images and icons, and you shall not misuse my name. Those are the first three of the Ten Commandments. Now, you might wonder, well, now tell me again how we worked that into Easter. (laughs) The idea of the first three of the commandments are actually very similar, and that is, whatever it is we hold on high has within it both the seeds of freedom and bondage. And so if we have something on high, if our, our highest container of spirituality is God, well, that one's limitless. That one has uh, no limits to it. That one is infinity, whether you think of infinite love, infinite wealth, infinite power, infinite joy. There's just no stopping to it. There's no end to it. And so when we keep God as our highest container, we're in good shape, right? We're not dependent on a single job for our, our good in the world. We're not dependent on a single friend for, uh, for love in the world, right? We're opening ourselves up to receive from the infinity that is God. The commandments, these first three, what, uh, what I think Moses was really talking about is the idea that when we put something else first, we start limiting ourselves. It's not that, that God, some guy you know, up there in the sky is going to throw a lightning bolt down, <laughs> right? That's not the punishment. The punishment is, is if we worship our job as the source of all income, our job has its limits. We could get fired someday, or it may have a natural end to it. It might have a cap to the amount of money that we can make. It may have its own issues with it because it was created by who? By humans, right? 
And the same thing with love, the same thing with health. You know, I was talking to someone the other day that's had quite a few health challenges. And what I realized as she was talking was she really was putting all of her faith in Western medicine, right? And unfortunately, the chronic um, condition that she suffers from, Western medicine doesn't have a lot of answers about it. Do you know what I mean? There are some, some, some things that they're trying with her and some medications, but what I'm thinking is, oh my gosh, if this is your higher power, we could be in trouble here. So that's the idea of not putting anything higher than God. That's the idea of not denigrating God through your language. That's the idea of making sure we're not wrapping the power up into something other than the all-pervasive, all-wise, everywhere-present, all-powerful God. All right, first three commandments, check. <laughs> On to number four today. Let me read it to you from Exodus chapter 20, verse eight through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons or daughters, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor even foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the fourth commandment is to keep the Sabbath holy. Now, uh, first of all, I've got to tell you, a lot of controversy on this one, even to figure out what day was being talked about. Of course, when Moses uh, got the commandments on Mount Sinai and came down, well, he was part of the Jewish community. Clearly, the Sabbath was meant to be Saturday, not Sunday. And, and if you think about it, uh, very few of the Christian faiths, except maybe the Seventh-day Adventists, have the Sabbath on, uh, on Saturday. So in, in early Christian times, believe it or not, they adjusted it for convenience. They simply adjusted it. So even the early Christians recognized, well, wait a minute, this isn't a, this isn't a, a physical law that's tied to a certain day of the week. It isn't that we have to pick a particular day and people who work on Sunday are just SOL, right? No, the idea isn't so much that it's tied to a particular day, but that we should have time for it, that in our week, even in our days, there should be a time for this idea of contemplation, this idea of rest, this idea of rejuvenation, this idea of, of once again entering into our lives with some intentionality. And if you think about it, um, I wonder sometimes if when we lose sight of that, if we're just not on the treadmill a little bit. When I talk to some people, it's like when the alarm goes off on Monday morning, it's like, do you know what I mean? It's like back on the treadmill. And it's like, you know, no even thought about intentionality, right? It's I've got, got my customers or my clients or I have to be at the job at a certain time. And, you know, that blows through until Tuesday. And on Tuesdays was when we have the meetings and the conference calls and, you know, so on and so forth. And, and by the time it gets around to Saturday and Sunday, 
those aren't really a Sabbath, either of them either, right? Because we have the rest of life to take care of, don't we? Don't we still have to wash the cars and clean the houses and, and, and do laundry and all of the stuff of life? Don't we have to get in our trip to Costco and you, you, like all of it? It's like, where's the Sabbath in there? For some people, Sunday is one of their busiest days as they're taking care of business and even preparing for what's going to go forward into the next week. It's like, there's no rest here. There's no time for spiritual reflection. And so what happens when we break this idea of the Sabbath? Because again, it's not that God is going to, is some disembodied human-like woman or man that's going to throw lightning bolts to us. But I would like to suggest that if on some level we don't honor the Sabbath, we will indeed suffer. At the most basic level, if we don't get rest and rejuvenation in our lives on a daily and weekly basis, oh my gosh, we just don't last that long. I was doing a little research even into the idea just of rest. Did you know that for um, active adults, 35 to 50, 50% of them do not get enough sleep every night. Half of the planet is not even getting their night's worth of sleep. For teenagers and uh, uh, older Americans, it's a little better, but even then, 35% of teenagers who are you know, actively in school and trying to be learning, are not getting enough sleep. They did some, uh, some surveys, and this is the startling one to me. 42% of Americans said they accidentally fell asleep at least once a week during waking hours. 42%. And a startling 15% of that 42, I know it's a math thing, but, but a startling number of people when they were driving So well, they're pointing at each other. I don't know how to, so, so if you want to carpool after church, may, maybe these aren't the best too. <laughs> I think there's a little truth going on here. Anyway, one of the most simple ways that we can honor the Sabbath, believe it or not, is making sure that we're actually allowing ourselves the rest that we need every night. All right, as we launch in talking about the Sabbath, of course, I, I have a joke for you. So Marianne's mother had, was stressed uh, to her daughter about how important it was to honor the Sabbath. So Marianne, dressed in her Sunday best, running as fast as she could, trying to not be late for Bible class. As she ran, she prayed, Dear Lord, please don't let me be late. Please don't let me be late. Well, she was running and praying. She tripped. She fell. She got her, her dress dirty and, uh, and uh, a, a, a skinned knee. She got up, brushed herself off, and started running again. She didn't want to be late. Dear Lord, please don't let me be late. Don't let me be late. But you don't have to push. <laughs> and I'm thinking that's sort of where we're coming from. In our, in our haste to be whole, the idea of the Holy Sabbath, of course, the, the the holy has the same root as the word whole or wholeness. In our attempts to be everything we can be, 
I think we've put ourselves on that treadmill. I think we're just running as fast as we can run with no particular awareness of the doing from the being. I, I love the song that, uh, that Linda Rossi sang because it stressed the idea of being. Where is the time in our life not for doing, but for simply being? A time to reflect, a time to perhaps meditate, a, a time to think about who and what we are, what our intentions and goals are, a time to honestly share ourselves with loved ones and family members in a way that, that is beyond just planning for the next thing that has to be done or the, the next place that one has to show up. And so I've done a little bit of categorization with the idea of helping us with the idea of allowing ourselves some time for this Sabbath-ness in our daily lives. And I broke it down into three, excuse me, four areas. The first one is daily Sabbath. And there's the idea, again, of getting enough sleep, of finding time every day to maybe do a little bit of intention setting, uh, uh, maybe a little bit of gratitude journaling, um, a spiritual practice that might include prayer or meditation. Truly, every day, like in the, in the song Twilight that she sang, is there a time in your life when you kind of put the busyness aside and just be just reflect on your day, maybe with some gratitude, a time to, uh, uh, to think about what has gone on and, and your intentions for it. Beyond the daily Sabbath, really we do need a day off. And I don't mean just a day to catch up on laundry. Truly, in our weekly cycle, I think it's so very important that we, honest to goodness, take a day off. And have it not be a day where we just shift our furious activity to another set of furious activity. That one day a week we have the ability to walk in nature, to contemplate what our life is, to get in touch with our higher power, to to, to really maybe do some meditation or some spiritual reading, to understand that we're more than just this physical form, that we are truly spiritual beings in this physical form, and that we would give some balance to that part of our lives as well. The other thing that I was thinking about, you know, we have a custom, I think, in civilized society of once a year taking a vacation, maybe twice a year taking a vacation. But I've checked in with a lot of people about what vacation is like. I would need a vacation from their vacations, right? Have you been on one of those vacations where it was like, oh, I'm so glad to be home again. It's like Disney World was fun, but oh my gosh, I need to sit down. <laughs> those may be fun, but they're not part of this idea of Sabbath either. Perhaps we should schedule a vacation of year that's really about R&R, that's really about uh, renewing ourselves, that's really about making a commitment to move forward in greater intention in our lives. You know, sure, it could be in Hawaii, sure, it could be someplace stunning, but does it really have to be the 12 cities in nine days kind of vacation that's, you know, all about luggage and hotel rooms and, you know, craziness? Because when we do that, we're just on a different treadmill. We've just made a, a commitment to some other level of doingness instead of beingness. So what about a lovely, maybe spiritual retreat? 
What about spending a weekend in a mountain cabin or a full week in a mountain cabin with nothing to do but some hiking and being with someone you love, right? A time to really decompress, not, not amp up a vacation into something, but rather allow it to settle yourself. Allow it to be really an inward journey. And then the final thing I want to talk about in terms of this idea of Sabbath is actually a sabbatical. You know, I was very proud of some of the high-tech uh, firms that we have here in the Portland and, and Beaverton areas in, in particular. Most of them have a sabbatical built in so that after five years, seven years, 10 years, it depends a little on which company it is, but almost all of them allow an extra two weeks time off paid. One of them gives a whole month to their employees off after 10 years. The idea being this is a chance to really reflect on who you are and what you want in life. Is it just, right? Are you going to sign up for another 10 years? Same old, same old? Or do you really want to make a, like a pilgrimage somewhere? Maybe that's the month you take off to do Machu Picchu. Maybe that's the, the month you would take off for some truly fundamental spiritual practice or, or, uh, or pilgrimage. But the idea that we have phases in life that need reflection, even as we have years in our life that require reflection, and even as we have the days in our lives that require uh, a little bit of rest and reflection, I think there are stages in our lives where if we just blow through them, we miss part of the point of what it is to move into our, our say, our 20s or our 30s, of moving into what it is to be in middle years or later in life. If it's just same old, same old, and no particular intention as those times change, if we don't really take a break. Now, I know some of you are going to say, well, that sounds really nice, but you talked to my employer about taking a month off with pay. <laughs> I'd like to see how that goes. And I do, of course, understand that. I know that that's not available to us. It would be nice if it were. But I do think that we can, in a sense, plan our own sabbatical that we have the power, whether it's through setting up our vacation or unpaid time off, through the ability of even just our focus, right? Because part of the idea of, of the Sabbath is just focus. It doesn't have to be on a certain day. We already talked about that. It doesn't have to be at a certain time. It doesn't even have to be all of the time mushed up together. So perhaps we could plan a sabbatical even while we're at work by allowing ourselves intentionally enough time in the evening to do some of that same processing around who am I, what does life mean to me right now, what do I want out of life, should I be changing um, what I do at work or what I do in my private life, really an idea of reflection. Well, you can probably imagine that I have a little bit of homework for you planned this week, because I do that, and I know you don't all take me up on it, and that's okay, that's fair, but I would like to suggest a piece of homework. What is your plan for honoring the Sabbath? And I would like to maybe have you think about it in terms of a daily Sabbath, a weekly Sabbath, and at least some kind of an annual Sabbath. So, so time during every day to do that, a little bit of the inward journey and processing, even if it's something as simple as doing a gratitude journal entry before you turn in at night, something that gets you out of the doingness, prepares you for a good night's sleep, 
and moves you into the beingness. So something uh, that might happen every day, something that would happen every week, and I really recommend a full day off, really a day of downtime. And then finally, some kind of an animal, uh, animal, some kind, I'm thinking back to Disneyland, I think, uh, some kind of an annual retreat or some kind of an annual process uh, that would honor the Sabbath as well, whether it's a, a silent retreat or going maybe to our own women's retreat or something like that. Something that allows you to put the doingness aside and ramp up with the ability to be in your own skin and what's like, what that's like. So that's your homework for this week. I'm going to end today um, with a, a final quote on this idea of Sabbath from the, the book, and we'll do a prayer. The old hymn sings, take time to be holy. That is, take time to become established in the consciousness of wholeness and oneness with the divine flow. The benefits of Sabbath are great. You will increase your ability to make good decisions and unfold creative ideas through proper sleep and rest. You will easily rise above the challenges of human relations and you will regularly experience a most effective beauty treatment. Rest and contemplation will iron out the harsh lines from your faith and smooth away the bags under your eyes. By all means, keep the fourth commandment. Go to church on Sunday when and if you can, but do not delude yourself by thinking that your Sabbath obligation ends at 12 noon on Sunday. Let it be a time of practicing the principles of spirituality, which is integral to every moment of every day. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. And I, I hold this above everything else, keeping those first three commandments. I recognize that God is all powerful, that God is present everywhere, that God is all seeing and all wise, that, that truly that biggest container of all things is God. And I, I hold this on high in my life. And because of this, I recognize that balance comes from this highest state, that the ability for myself to live purposefully and full and holy is to recognize that I too am part of God, that God is right where I am acting as me and through me. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this room. Each person here is an individualized center of this Godness, this God stuff. And to honor ourselves, we honor the Sabbath. That each one of us has that ability to find the time during the day, during the week, during the year, during our lives to celebrate the divinity that is within, creating a balance and a harmony in each of our lives that is so, so very powerful. I'm simply grateful for this. And in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thanks so much for being here today. What a blessing you are. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. 
We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.